Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host... I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I want to welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast a figure who, without a doubt, is a, is a future Hall of Famer, somebody who has paved the way, who has contributed to all of our wrestling oh. fandom, and in fact, and this is a fact. When we talk about the good old days of pro wrestling, yeah, we talk about Flair and, and Hogan and, and stuff going on in the 80s, but what is the number one thing that we talk about beyond that? The Attitude Era. And who was one of the key figures responsible for that? Well, here he is. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Vince Russo. Mr. Russo, how are you today, sir? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I'm fantastic, and listen, like I said, uh, first of all, I just want to thank you for contributing to everyone's wrestling fandom, because without a doubt, when, when you talk to people about what their favorite time period is in pro wrestling, everybody's going to mention the Attitude Era. I mean, well, how does that make you feel to know that something that you did over 20 years ago still resonates so strongly today? Ah uh, man, you know I I don't I don't really think about that that much. I I just I, I the only time I really think about it is when I kind of watch today's product, and you know I mean there's a part of me that really wishes um you know wrestling would get back to wrestling, you know which is what we did during the Attitude Era, which was all storyline driven and characters. Um, I really wish it would get back to that. Um, that's, that, that's really the only thoughts I have about it, you know, because, you know, bro, I, I was just, you know, like everybody else, man, I was just going to work and I was just doing a job every week and I was doing the best job I possibly could do. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still that way today. You know, I, I have a, uh, you know, a very, very high work ethic. And I mean, that's, that's really, that's really what what it was to me, man. It was just another job that I held, and I did it to the best of my capabilities, and and I'm proud of that. So, like, I don't I don't really think about it that way. I just think about it that I just wish you know wrestling would go back to what it was meant to be. Injuries in pro wrestling have always been something that happens. I mean, let's face it; it's a, it's a physical profession, right? Anything can happen at any time. There's no two ways about it. But it seems over the past decade and a half, two decades, we've we've gotten to the point where all the flippy moves and all of these acrobatics, like it's a Cirque du Soleil show or something like that, you're seeing a lot more neck injuries. You're seeing people who are having shorter careers and things of that nature. How do you feel about that as a guy who was so storyline-driven uh, and, and everything that you did really focused around something greater than just whatever the next This Is Awesome chant is going to be. How do you feel about everything going in this completely different uh, direction where people are legitimately risking their lives a hell of a lot more today? Yeah, I think it's sad, and I think it's stupid. 
you know, for, for the exact reason that you said, wrestling is a work. They're, they're not fighting for real. And, you know, they're, they're, I, I read just last week there were like six concussions, which is ridiculous because you're, you're creating that. Nobody's telling you to do that. You're bringing that upon yourself. And, you know, you got a lot of these kids in the ring today in their early 20s, their mid-20s, and they think they're invincible, and they keep doing stuff like this day in and day out. And, man, I just got to tell you, when they hit, you know, 35, 40, I really, really feel bad for these individuals because, you know, they're going to look back and they're going to say, why did we make something so easy so difficult, and there isn't a damn thing they're going to be able to do about it. And you're talking to somebody that dealt with concussions and dealt with the ramifications of um, uh, post-concussion syndrome. I, 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 it's affected my whole life, so I know what I'm talking about. So, A, I think it's stupid because it is a work. Nobody's telling you to do that. You're bringing that all upon yourself. You're putting yourself at risk of injury. And second of all, it's very, very sad because, you know, what they're doing now is going to have a lasting effect on their lives, and they're just too young, too naive, and too stupid to understand that. Yeah, you, you said a mouthful right there, and that's for damn sure. Uh, it, it, it really makes me scratch my head because – you know, Vince, let's take a step back for a second, actually, because me personally, my first uh, understanding of you and who you are and your philosophy on the business, it really goes back to the old WWE magazine. Um, that whole Vic Venom stuff that you were doing where you were shooting straight from the hip, so to speak, and you were not afraid to criticize the product, point out certain individuals who you know, you felt weren't doing the right thing and putting over others that you felt were doing the right thing. I mean, legitimately, this is the precursor for what we have today with podcasting and the way that people structure these wrestling websites and things of that nature. Talk to me about that. I mean, how does it feel to essentially be the godfather of a lot of this stuff that you see on the Internet today? Man, bro, I don't want to be the godfather because, I mean, I, I love what I do. Um, and I have a grasp of what I do and an understanding of what I do. But, you know, bro, there, there are a lot of people out there that do what I do, especially when it comes to wrestling. And and they're obsessed with it, man. And, and, and I don't think that's healthy. I mean, I, I think being obsessed with something is as serious as, you know, the risk, risky maneuvers, you know, that guys are taking in the ring. And there are a lot of people that do what I do in the podcast field, and, man, they, they are just obsessed with wrestling. They are just consumed with wrestling. I, I mean, you know, bro, you, you look at the uh, hatred towards me, and it's like that, that's a sickness. And, and the reason I can say that is because me as a human being, you know, never have I hated an athlete. Uh, you know, in that way, or never have I ate, have I hated an actor or a writer or a director. I mean, never. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, okay, bro, maybe I didn't like somebody's work. Maybe I'm not a fan of 
somebody's music uh, just because of my own personal taste. But to, you know, outright just hate, you know, somebody I don't even know because of how they wrote a wrestling show, bro, that's, that's really a sickness. And, and that's not normal. So, like, I really try to separate myself from the rest of that pack when it comes to podcasting because, you know, bro, I'm doing a job. I'm trying to entertain an audience. Um, That's what I'm trying to do. I am not obsessed with wrestling. I was never obsessed with wrestling um, because, you know, in my opinion, that's not healthy. And, And if you're obsessed with something like that, that usually means that you are not paying attention to the things that really do matter. And and quite frankly, I think that's it. Um so like I don't you know, when I when I listen to some of these podcasts, you know, we, we do I do my show, you know, castrating the marks and I listen to these people every single week that are that are consumed with with grown men's faith fighting wow bro like i i just i really feel bad for those people because i i mean bro we 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 saw we saw what happened with kobe bryant man we we are not going to be here forever and and to put such a great emphasis on something that means absolutely nothing in the big scheme of things man i I just i think that's sad you're a man of faith and you've never shied away from talking about that. And in fact, you know, in the wrestling industry in general, you're you're one of the few people who has always been pretty upfront about the fact that you're guided by your relationship with God and everything everything that you do. The motivation there is to do right by God. You just said something that was interesting, where you said that it's okay to not like something, but hatred. That's not something that you subscribe to. It's not something that you're into. You know, people that feel the type of hatred that they feel to me, I say this all the time, man. If if you have hatred in your heart, God is nowhere in your life. I mean, absolutely nowhere. Because if God is in charge of your life and God is alive and well inside of you 24 and 7 and he's always on your mind and you're always thinking of him, and he's a part of your life, you're not capable of hating. I, I mean, people have said some horrendous things about me for, you know, decades and decades and decades, and I could sit here and tell you I do not hate anybody. I, I don't experience uh, hate. You know, hate isn't a part of my life. And, you know, that, that that's what I'm talking about, man, When 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 you're talking about, you know, hating somebody you don't even know because of the way they wrote a wrestling show. God, bro, it's like, you know, at some point you got to look yourself in the mirror and you got to, you have to ask the question, you know, what am I doing? Vince, how does your family feel about the whole picture of this? I mean, so, you know, this guy, whether it's, we're talking about your kids or, you, you know, the, the, the parents, your wife, whomever, Generally speaking, you were such a, a lightning rod of a figure, you know, appreciated. Some folks claim that they hate you. Some folks love you. Overall, how does the family 
view you and your career and, and what's gone on over the past couple of decades? Uh, bro, they, 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 I, I keep them so far separated from it. it it's not even funny. They, they don't know. Like my wife has no idea of what I've gone through in my career. You know, my father, you know, certainly has no idea. Like I don't, I don't tell them stuff. The, the only one that really, you know, has a hold on it is my my oldest son will and that's because he happens to work you know for ddp he works at ddp yoga uh those guys do a lot of work for uh, aew so a lot of guys are constantly going in and out so you know will my son will is somewhat associated with wrestling so he he knows i mean he clearly knows but outside of that god i have kept my family so far away from this world, I don't. I don't want them to know about the world. You know, the wrestling world. I don't want them to be associated with it. I've literally kept them in the dark for the last thirty years. Well, I commend you for that, and I really can't blame you. I mean, when you have the various dirt sheet writers and Cornette and everybody else, you know, making threats, saying some of the most horrible things in the world, like you said, because they don't like the way you wrote a wrestling show. Yep. Uh, people who are legitimately out of touch with reality. How far is too far? And I asked that question because take a guy who was a, a very good friend of yours and, and um, Vito Lagrazo, Big Vito. It was discovered or at least brought back up the fact that one of these dirt sheet folks, they actually released his personal address. Uh, redacted information in, in court documents or what have you, they actually released it online. And unfortunately, he and his family were harassed by crazy fans or whatever. They had to get the police involved. How far is too far with some of these? Bro, I, bro, I, I've had, I've had, bro, I had a person actually open up a Twitter account as my house, and literally as my house. You know, it was like you know Vince Russo's house was the Twitter account. And it was my house with my address. Bro, it was the inside of my house. Cause, you know, I, I had just purchased it. So, you know, I mean, it, you know, the inside and whatnot was up on real estate sites and whatnot. But I literally had somebody open up a Twitter account as Vince Russo's house. Hey, bro, it, it's a sickness. I, I mean, seriously, it, it is a sickness. It is an obsession. These people are not well. Um, they're, they're just not, bro. And it's, that's the thing, like, you know, I, one of the things, like, I'm trying to tell Vito is, you know, he's, he's making all these, uh, you know, he's making a couple of videos now, and he's kind of outing this person. And I'm like, you know, bro, like, you don't know what you're dealing with. Like, if, if it were me, I would leave it alone. Got, bro, I, I had an experience with a dirt sheet writer who just literal, literally made shit up. Shit that was 100% not true. And, you know, it got me kicked off of podcast one. And, you know, my, my thing was, bro, like, this is a dangerous person. This is a person that blatantly wanted to affect my livelihood, and he did. Unfortunately, bro, it backfired on him because 
when I was no longer, when you no longer had had access to me on Podcast One, people then subscribed to the brand, which was a blessing in disguise because it, I mean, it really kind of put my podcast network, you know, over the hump. But, like, my point is this guy clearly wanted to damage me and wanted to damage my well-being and my finances and my job and my family by literally making shit up. So, like, you know, at that point when I realized, like, literally that was this guy's motive. Bro, I dropped the guy's name from my vocabulary because this is somebody that's dangerous now. You know, like I I look at guys like Meltzer and I look at guys like Keller. You know, those guys aren't dangerous. You know, that they hate me because of my views on wrestling. But, like, these aren't guys that are dangerous. The guys that are dangerous are the guys – you know, that are going to go after you personally because they want to hurt you. And the guys that are dangerous are the guys that start labeling you. Russo's a racist. Russo's a homophobe. Russo's an anti-Semite. Those people I stay away from because they have one goal and one goal only, and that's to hurt you and hurt your family and hurt your livelihood. Those people are very, very, very dangerous. You know, and and again, bro, you, you talk about having God nowhere in sight. That's those people. Because if, 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 if God was at the center of your life, you would not be acting in a way where you want to hurt other people. You would be acting in a way where you actually want to put other people before you. So like that, you know, the, you know, with what Vito is doing now, I understand his anger. I understand everything he's gone through, but I, it's not going to make, it's not going to make this person stop. Talk to me about your relationship with Vito because you guys go way back, don't you? Oh yeah, but I go back with Vito to like 1991, man. When uh, you know, I first saw him at at Gleason's gym, man. Johnny Rogers' gym. He was training to be a wrestler, and you know, he was from Staten Island. I was from Long Island. We were both Italian. And bro, I think the thing the thing that really drew me to Vito, um, you know what? You know, again, the work ethic. You know how hard this guy worked and. You know, listen, man, there's a lot of politicians in our business. There's a lot of people in spots that have no business being in those spots. They get in those spots by stabbing people in the back and stepping on people and lying about people and politicking. Vito's not one of those guys. You know, him him and I are so much the same, man, where, listen, we're going to bust our ass. We're going to give you everything we can. And if somebody out politics us, you know what? Go with the politician because at the end of the day, that's going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt me because I'm going to take my work ethic and I'm going to bring it somewhere else. And that other person or that other company is going to benefit from me. 
And like that, that's the way the both of us have always, always carried ourselves. You mentioned the brand, which is just incredible. I mean, you legitimately have your own network, uh, a bunch of shows. You put out content, and, it, and it's really like a blueprint of for somebody who really wants to do this thing seriously and communicate with their audience and, and give them entertainment on various levels. This this is a blueprint on how to get that done. Let everybody know. How can they find the brand, uh, some of the shows, uh, literally, if they want to subscribe, what's the best way that they can consume more of your content? Well, the the brand, I talk about this all the time. The, the brand is a network where the, the, the pros are the pros. Are pros. The, the brand isn't people that talk about wrestling and are, are glorified fans, you know, or marks, but they won't say that. You know, they, they, they think they're, they're journalists, um, they're experts in the field, but yet, you know, the majority of these people never worked a single day in the wrestling business and have no idea what, 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 what it involves. And, you know, I, I've got great people on my network, you know, Big Vito's on the network, you know, Shane Douglas, Stevie Richards, you know, the Disco Inferno, Ben Hameen. I, I mean, I, I have people that have been there and done that. None of us are looking for jobs. We're all doing very, very well on our own. So we're not going to tow lines and we're not going to be careful of what we say. We're going to tell you what we you know, really, really feel. And uh, there's a couple ways you could become a part of that. You could go to russosbrand.com. And also I'm on Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com forward slash Russo TWC. Uh, there are different menus on both formats. You know, you could kind of pick and choose the shows that you want. Very, very inexpensive, you know, less than a buck a week. And uh, no long-term commitments. You can come and go as you like. But you're really going to hear from the pros, man. You're not going to hear from glorified fans that are, are going to tell you how to work a wrestling match. And, you know, they, 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 they wouldn't even know how to tie laces on wrestling boots. It's, it's really the real deal, and that's what we take great pride in. Before we let you go here, uh, Mr. Russo, and first of all, this has just been incredible. You legitimately have talked about things that no matter what your detractors say, I mean, come on, you're a, a man walking in faith who every day is, is trying to do the best that he can do and no hatred in your heart, it just is what it is. I mean, who can argue with that? When it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? I mean, what is going to be the Vince Russo legacy that will endure long after all of us are gone. You know, bro, I, I have to be honest with you. I don't, I don't care about that. I, I don't care because my, my life isn't wrestling. My life never was wrestling. Wrestling then and wrestling now has always been a job. And, you know, I, I carry myself the same way when I own my own businesses. I carried myself the same way. You know, I, I worked for CBS. I carried myself the same way. To, to me, the, the important thing for me through all that was for my children to see my work ethic and for my children to really understand, you know, what it, what it means to be the best 
best you can be and what it means when something, you know, has your name on it and, and just the pride, you know, you take in your work and something you created. That's my legacy. I, I mean, you know, you, 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 you have to understand something. There are a lot of things about the wrestling business that I do not respect. And, and even when I was in the wrestling business, there was no doubt in my mind, and I said it, the wrestling business is the devil's playground. No ifs, ends, or buts about it. I, I experienced it. I was there. I know, you know, who runs, you know, the wrestling business. So, like, as far as, you know, a legacy and how I'm remembered in wrestling and, you know, WWE Hall of Fame and all that stuff, that stuff means nothing to me. What, what, what means everything to me is my family and, and, and how they can look at, you know, what I achieved and, and what I did and what I still do to this day and how they could be proud that, you know, their father was not a, a politician and their father didn't take shortcuts and their father didn't lie to get ahead and that, you know, their father did everything the right way. That That's the legacy right there. Hi, this is Earl Oliver from Sully Finish Wrestling. This is Raj Geary with WrestlingInc.com. This is Sean Reed, boxing writer and undercover low-key wrestling fan. And you're listening to Duke Love Wrestling. Woo! You know, folks, that was just a, an incredible, incredible conversation with uh, Vince Russo. And he's a lightning rod. You either love him or you hate him. Or the reasonable people can take who he is, especially in wrestling history, and understand his place in wrestling history. doesn't mean you have to agree with every booking decision or disagree with it. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's a human being, right, just like the rest of us. And if there are people out there who express hatred and, you know, they want to do harm because they disagreed with who he booked 25 years ago in a program, you got to seek some help, folks. I mean, you really got to seek some help. There's something wrong. There's something going on in your life that is just completely off. And you definitely need to clean that up, okay? I'll just leave it at that because um, it's just real sick. But shout-out to Vince Russo. I appreciate his time, and we'll definitely have him back on the show sometime because um, he's just a wealth of knowledge and, and has a lot to talk about, not just about pro wrestling, but about family, about God, about things that matter as a human being. So take that for what it's worth. Another person who absolutely fits into the same category, and, you know, he was mentioned during that conversation, my guy, Big Vito Lagrazo, and, and folks, I make no bones about it. Vito's a friend of mine. I enjoy having Vito on the show and picking his brain because he's a guy who's been around and knows who's who and what's what, has worked for the major promotions, been all over the world. I mean, this guy, he definitely knows what he's talking about. So today the WWE financial reports for 2019 just came out, and I said, you know what, let me reach out to my guy Big Vito Lagrazo and, and pick his brain on a few things and see if he has some insight on what this all means, especially from the perspective of somebody who is talent, 
you know, a pro wrestler's perspective on the business, the economics of WWE. So, Vito, welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast here. Hey, Duke, how are you doing? And I want to say hello to all the fans out there, all the Duke and I who tune in to Duke of Wrestling. Hope everybody's doing good. I hope my buddy Vince Russo didn't leave a mess. Duke, what do you got today? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on in life and in the world of professional wrestling? Well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, uh, the, the hot story right now, Vito, is the fact that the WWE just released their 2019 financial reports. And what's crazy to me is that you really have to do your research on who you're getting the information from because everybody and their mother will talk about how the WWE, you know, they missed some of their projections and they didn't do as well as they thought they were going to do and network subscriptions are down 10% and live events ended up being down, all this other stuff. But then they gloss over the fact that the company still made more money in 2019 this is profit, mind you, than they ever had in the history of their company, and really in the history of the pro wrestling business, which means they had another record year, Vito. How do, we, how do I even put that in perspective? Tell me, especially from the, from the side of a pro wrestler, what do you think when you hear that the WWE, despite all of the failures, whatever they've done wrong, they still managed to make more money than they ever have before? You ever hear the old saying, the people who make the most money cry the most poverty? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what do they do every year? They cry poverty. Oh, well, no, this is down, that's down. They, they want people to feel sorry for them, but how could you feel sorry for people who maybe possibly lose a little profit in a quarter, but then at the end of the year you have record years? I mean... I guess in one stance, you got to say, hey, you know, they're, they're smart business people on the ethical side when you look at it. I mean, there's a lot of things they don't pay the boys for. There's a lot of things they don't, they don't uh, share as much as maybe they should. There are things they don't take care of like they should. I'll give you a for instance. I mean, on the network where every single wrestler, like myself and everybody else, doesn't make a dime from it, okay? They just had, uh, I'll even share something with you. Uh, everybody got their royalty checks. So um, people were saying, hey, 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 royalty checks were great. Ask me if I got a royalty check. The answer is no. There are some people who get them and some people who don't. There are some people who, you know, insider insider news, they pay who they want to pay. And if you're in the good graces, hey, you get paid. If you're not in the good graces, hey, they might hold it back a little bit so they could, you know, you know, for whatever reason, it's a spite business, you know what I'm saying? And this this goes back to when people who are out of the company and they say, that's it, I'm getting out of here, I'm out. And then they gravitate back, and uh, Mr. McMahon will open your open his arms and accept you back, but you're going to pay, and he'll let you come back. I'll let you taste a little bit, but he's going to get his revenge, and he's going to do something to job you out as you're in your Hall of Fame year, or he'll do something to make you look ridiculous, you know. But 
you know, it's his way and his way only. Um, there's still the issue of um, the concussion lawsuit that's in the Court of Appeals, that's in the Supreme Court still. And, you know, for people who don't know, you know, guys are still not getting taken care of and, you know, people are out there still needing help. And, um, you know, I didn't know if anybody's up to date on it, but, you know, they switched the judge on the case and the Supreme Court t- took uh, Vanessa Bryant off the case. So there's a new judge and we're waiting for our appeal date, but that's still alive and kicking. And the fact that AEW is around and, you know, it seems like all the little companies are doing a little something, maybe not on a lucrative deal. I mean, Duke, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't AEW just get a TV deal from TNT for three years? Yeah, they sure did. They they signed a new deal, and I believe they're going to be making over $20 million a year with this new TV deal with TNT. Okay, so now they're making $20 million a year just on working once a week. I would take it they're making money because if they're only doing one show a week and making $20 million a year, I mean, you do the math. I mean, just on that alone, they're going to do okay. Then they're going to have their pay-per-views, which I believe they still pay. They don't have a subscription for. Um, I'm sure they have merchandise that they're killing. They're making a killing out of. So I think they're doing good with that. I know their pay scales are not going to be are structured. People, remember the word structure because there's a pay scale in place where guys who sign, they're going to get a year deal. That means that if you're going to make... 100,000 for the year, you're going to make 100,000 for the year plus your health benefits, which is a good company, company, you know, line. But just know that just to say, now I'm just giving shooting a number out there, Duke. If there's 20, say there's 20 wrestlers in AEW. I'm just, and guys just, you know, we're just doing hindsight. 20 wrestlers at 100,000 each. So, you're talking 20 wrestlers at 100000 That's $2 million in, in salary. you got your front office and all your office people. Kick them another $2 million, okay? You take in the fact you have to do your, um, your uh, lighting, your pyro, you do this, you do that. Say we'll kick that to $10 million for the year. So two, four, ten. You still have about six million dollars left. Out of six million dollars, you're gonna make you're gonna make something, whether it's a million or it's a two million, or you're gonna make a profit somewhere. And that's not counting everything else they have, but they're they're structured. In the WWE, they're not structured. They stagger with pay up and down the line. So, I mean. You look at the amount of revenue they're bringing in, and they're bringing in great revenue. They're paying everybody up and down the line. But you look at the way they're doing their business globally. I use the word globally. I mean, there's no way for them not to make money because it's such a big juggernaut that, I mean, being entrepreneurs in this, in this industry, as such as Vincent McMahon, 
you are, you know, a, a walking genius, and then you have the XFL, which, you know, by the way, is starting next uh, next month, I believe. That the launch is this week. I think they're starting next month, and he's into this for. Three hundred and seventy-five million, with the projection of making a hundred and twenty-five million dollars each year in TV revenue alone. So, with the budget, with what he's spending, and what he's making just on that to walk in, he's at a break-even. So that's not to mention T-shirts and selling and attendance and whatever you got. He'll make money on that also. Because the world and the way they're doing business today, they give you so many avenues to dip into money that it's 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 a great juggling knot. And I mean, Duke, you do the financials better than I do. Am I kind of on point with that? No, you're right on the money there. And like you said, when you take a look at some of the other streams of revenue that can come in, I mean, uh, you mentioned merchandise, but you also got to take a look at YouTube. You know, third-party streams, these these platforms where the XFL, let's say, their their main site, they can cut clips of the best hits, of the best highlights. If people are watching that on YouTube, they sell ads on that. I mean, the, the WWE made over $20 million off of YouTube alone last year. So the XFL, you got to imagine they could make a million, two, three million their first year off of YouTube uh, watches and what have you. So, yeah, when you start looking at stuff like that, it adds up all these different revenue streams, right? I mean, it's just phenomenal. And you want to know what stinks about the YouTube is that YouTube doesn't let the small guy make the money that you can because they uh, monetize. Is that correct how I'm saying it? They monetize everything you do, and they put levels and restrictions on you to where unless you're doing millions and millions of hits, that's the only way you're going to make money. That's why we have other avenues like Patreon and some of the other, um, you know, some of the other ways to make money doing doing it on a smaller level, but you still have to have a drawing power and have an audience. Am I right, Duke? One hundred percent right. One hundred percent right. They, they've they've weeded out uh, <laughs> anyone that doesn't have a massive following to make money off of these these advertisements and things like that. And you know, YouTube has done that so they can keep more of the money being generated because here's the flip side of that they still will show advertising during your videos or in between your videos and things like that so they're still making money but they've cut into everybody else's ability to make money that that's for sure well i mean and we get back to the point here you know wwe has made all this money they're generating revenue but are they paying the boys and paying the people who paved the way and were on their TV making money for them, are they paying them accordingly? The answer is no. Nobody makes a dime off the network. What are you watching on the network? All the old footage from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. You know, uh, we all, there are a bunch of, you had to mention Vince Russo. Everybody mentioned that his, his, his brand and his generation of writing sucked so bad. Excuse my language, guys. But when you say that, that it was so terrible and people still to this day wish him death. But what do the people turn on? Turn on? They turn on Nitro when he was there. 
They turn on the WWE when he was there. They turn on TNA when he was there. What do you watch? You watch all the old stuff because that was what you watched and that's what made you entertain you. And you still pay $10 a month. You still, you know, pay that fee for millions and millions and millions of people every month. Where does that money go? Who gets that money? You know, there's a clause in the, I, I think you're up to date on, up to date on this, um, Duke. There's a clause in your contract that says um, for any other um, the way it's supposed to be worded is any other technology that has been brought in okay at the end of your contract that that's how you get paid additionally the other technology is the network okay and that is a new brand and a new wave of how do you make money with all the all of the footage I don't own the rights to me, but I, I'm on their TV. How come I don't get paid for it? It's a good point and something I don't think people realize. You know, that, that's that's good stuff there, uh, Vito, in, in terms of, again, from the wrestler's perspective, these record profits that the WWE is experiencing and, and even, you know, a young company like AEW, they're experiencing technically record profits you know, in one year they went from a regular business that was taking a loss to now they're going to be generate they're expected to generate 20 million dollars a year at least just off the tv deals that's that's um interesting because again who's benefiting from that and are the are the wrestlers being taken care of those are, you those know are great questions you know something to do for the money they make and for the all the revenue they're making right just to say and here's an idea, and usually my ideas are heard through third-party people who listen to your podcast, and every time I'm on, they take notes in their uh, reporting, their reporting. So here's a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a juicy note. If they had paid a fee yearly for the people who are on that network who had signed contracts, okay, say they paid those people, a grand total of $52,000 a year. What is that, $1,000 a week, right? So if you paid them $52,000 a year just to be on the network, is that going to kill anybody? Is that going to hurt your, your, your gross net? Is that going to hurt your profit when you're making billions of dollars? Absolutely not. So if you paid, if you gave a deal, say, listen, we're going to take care of the boys. Um, if you signed a WWE contract and you, you have content on our network, we are going to pay you a thousand dollars a week and we're going to make right by you. Now, if everybody who wrestled for the WWE or WCW or TNA or whatever they have, they have valid contracts and they paid these guys a thousand dollars a week. Do you think that everybody who was hard work, blood, sweat, and tears that went into that product, do you think life would be a lot easier? Do you think that people could manage better and it could be part of your retirement fund to have an income like that? And you're talking about $1,000 a week, people, to the WWE, that's nothing. That's pocket change. That's what you carry in your pocket when you're going to sushi. I mean, really, guys. I mean, Duke, what do you think of that philosophy? I love it. I mean, you, you know me. I, I'm always 
supportive of taking care of the wrestlers, especially in terms of people who have, you know, their blood, sweat, and tears help build these companies. You know, you're putting your lives on the line. And my relationships with wrestlers, you know, especially from the past, and a lot of these folks, men and women, they, they could barely walk. They could barely pay their bills today. You know, there's a lot of challenges there. Meanwhile, I can turn on the network and see <laughs> some of their glory years, and, and I know for a fact that people are still watching that stuff. So it is kind of a tough thing to, to experience and, and to consume, you know? I got I got a question for you, and I never I, and guys, and this is a legit, and I'm friend, I'm I'm friends with Duke. He's friends with my wife, and this is a question I never ever asked him ever in my life. I'm going to ask you, okay? It's a two part question. Duke, are you friends with current talent that are in the WWE today? Yes. Do they voice their displeasure with what goes on behind the closed doors? 100%. Are they treated fairly? A lot of them don't feel that way. No. Now, I just asked valid questions from a to a gentleman who is a journalist who deals with this on a bigger scale, who does go to house shows, this is something I don't I never asked him. I didn't ask who, and you know it's their business. It's his confidentiality, you know. And I would never ever ever pry anything away from him. But these are valid questions to valid points. Now, Duke is a journalist, and if he was one of those journalists who blurts out everything and puts out, you know, names and buries people, you know, then that wouldn't be cool. But the fact he came on the show today, he answered the simple questions on revenue. And to say that, you know, hey, there are wrestlers from the past and the current that are not being paid accordingly or treated fairly, it kind of just answers your own question why there is so much revenue for the WWE. I mean, you, you bring up some key points there, and, and I can't – it's hard to argue with that. I will say, though, Vito, and, and I, I appreciate you holding me into – in the esteem of a journalist, but I, I'm no journalist. I'm just a, a, a podcaster and a guy who cares about the business. You know, there were real people who went to school for journalism and things like that. I, I wouldn't want to, uh, you know, pat myself on the back and say I'm, I'm in their league. Uh, no, but, but I will. But, I, but, you, I, but you do hold yourself accountable. And 100%. accountability today is one of the biggest things and well-respected in anything that you do especially in news reporting. I call you a journalist. I call you, you know, um, I'm not going to say you're a dirt sheet writer on that. No, because you handle yourself in a professional manner. You ask and do professional things. You come on here and conduct yourself as a businessman. You you are educated. You're well-versed. You're not somebody just putting out false information or trying to hurt people. There's a difference. I call you a journalist out of respect for your work, not because you um, went to school and you're in journalism and you did all these great things, but you do do, you know, journalistic, you know, um, work in a field where you do report the news in the world of professional wrestling. Well, I appreciate it, Vito. And and it's funny, and, and before I let you go, we can bring this up here, because when you talk about people being responsible, and putting out information um, 
considering the lives that are being affected by some of the stuff that you put out, staying away from the false stuff, staying away from the, the personal stuff that really has no business being reported in the first place. Um, you and your family have, have gone through something pretty interesting over the past few years, and you know we mentioned it on the show before, but you guys are basically doxxed. I mean, your 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 private address and everything was put out there, and crazy people showing up to your house. You had to get the police involved and all kinds of just terrible, terrible things to have to experience. And recently you found out that a person who put your personal information out there was hired by AEW in a, a very prominent role. And, you know, your wife put together a, a couple of videos, which are just excellent, excellent stuff. And folks, you know, you go on Duke Loves Wrestling Facebook and Twitter pages, you see it. Uh, you can check out the Big Vito brand. It's all up there. Just really, really strong stuff. Um, but that person had to apologize to you because of the heat, because of how many people started chiming in, because you had people from various industry retweeting the video and talking about it and asking the basic question, why would you release the personal home address of Vito and his family when these were originally redacted things in court documents? So uh, I haven't really gone too deep into this stuff with you, Vito, as far as the aftermath of everything, but how do you feel getting that apology? That's the second apology you've gotten from somebody this year. Well, just to, I'm going to say it like this, guys, and, you know, everybody knows, like, I'm a stand-up guy. I don't take shit. I don't, I don't, um, I'm not that guy. I never was that guy. And I stood up for a reason, and I stood up for myself. I stood up for the betterment of the boys and for an industry, trying to make things better. And, you know, there was a guy who once, who, who once had a union, his name was Jimmy Hoffa, right? He stood up and he fought and he did things and he, and he made things better for a lot of people, you know? And when you talk about, you know, unionizing and getting health benefits and doing stuff, that's pretty big. When you go toe to toe with the big boys and nobody has gone the distance like I've gone the distance and you sit there. And people ridicule you. They say things. They're nasty to your family. They're nasty to you. You know, the industry kind of shuts their door on you because how could you do this? Well, I have every right to do it, and I have good reason. And for, like, some of the things that we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, it, it's it's all the same thing. And what are you doing? You're standing up for your rights. Now, i in the lawsuit, the concussion lawsuit, I had a, I did a deposition, and it was sealed. It somehow got leaked. I'm not going to say who because I don't want to start that again, but it was leaked by somebody who we, who we know did it. And this gentleman from the AEW, Chris Harrington, decided he was going to put this out and make money on it. So when he did this, Right now, he was doing this for years to people, but nobody ever stood up to him. Now, you take this into consideration, people. Okay, you want to attack Vito Lagrasso and you want to come at me one on one. I'm game. You want to find me and talk to me and be man to man 
hey, we're cool. That's good. When you go after my handicapped wife, put her information out there, it's a HIPAA violation, and then you put her handicapped son who is autistic and you put his information out there, you not only think you're making a score and you go, yeah, yeah, I got it. You put my family in danger. To all you people out there who don't know, now you're listening to my voice when I say this and I can say it calmly. That was a very hard time. When it hit, I called my lawyer. I asked them what happened. They panicked. They found out. They called the court. They called an emergency uh, meeting. At like They called the courts at late at night. And all my information was out. They had to reseal it, but the damage was done. At the time, my wife was very, very ill, and everybody knows it's well documented that my wife had a stroke. She was very sick. You know, we have an autistic child. So you made her health go 100% down. Now, being that I sued the WWE, right, and have angry fans and crazy sickos out there, as you know, I had people coming to my door, knocking on the door at 12 o'clock at night. I had six or seven of those. That's not counting the people during the day. This was world news, people. World news means everybody throughout the United States, throughout America, all international knew about this concussion lawsuit. But this gentleman, Chris Harrington, decided he was going to put my personal information, my home address, my phone number, my wife's name, everything out on the Internet for free game. Not only did you hurt my family, you put us in great danger. You know what I mean? When I say great danger, think of sickos out there who come and shoot you, knock on your door, they come to rob you, you know, and we had some of these people come to my door. Now, my wife's handicapped. Now, I'm not at home. Who's there to defend my wife? When we had somebody try to break in our home, I told my boys down at the police station, and this is old half, guys. And I've told Duke this a million times. You're going to come rob me? You're coming in. You're not leaving. If you are leaving, you're leaving face first through the window. Then I'm going to pick you up, throw you back in the house, and I'm going to make you leave through another window. And then I'm not going to stop until you're totally, until I'm exhausted. And when you, when people, you grow up with this, this verse and you, you know, say, how, how can that be? When people try to come into your house, they're intruding. Do you put you in danger? You're fake game. You're looking to kill me. I don't know what you got in your pocket. I don't know what you're going to do. Okay. They put my wife in danger. They put her son in danger. We teach, we, we taught him how to embrace people, how to say hello, how to shake hands with people, be kind to people. This is what I taught him. And for him, us to tell him, listen, you can't talk to people, you can't open the door, and for him to cry, and for him to say, hey, you know, why can't I do this, Vito? Why can't I be like this? You're always like, I says, listen, just listen, trust me. I said, I'm doing this for your own good. And to deal, deal with my wife being scared every day, this is part of the reason we left our home and we sold our house because it was unsafe. Guys, it was real. This is real life. So not only did this gentleman put my my wife in danger, they put the child in danger, they put me in danger, 
You know, they also tried to break in my car. They've tried to break in my house. I have people coming knocking on my door. I have a handicapped wife who can't walk, can't see, can't do nothing. So what do you do if I'm not home? You know, I'm in trouble. So it wasn't until I seen him on AEW TV and I had let it go because there was no way for me to make a fight of it. It was done through the Internet. Internet is a very evil place. And you know, like, there's a lot of keyboard operators out there. There's a lot of warriors, a lot of guys who are tough. But when you stand in the same room with them, um, I'm going to say it, and please excuse the language, their asses become very tight and they're nervous. I'm not the – and, you know, Duke and I have spoken about, you know, my past and what I've done and where I came from. And I used to be a very scary person. I'm not that guy no more, but I used to be at one time very scary. God forbid you hurt my family, my wife, my kids, my my whoever. Yeah, and, and and what you hear right there, folks, is um, Vito's story, and it's pretty pretty serious. I mean, Vito in 2020, that's the second person who's had to apologize to you and your family for things that they've written or or posted or what have you, and I guess. You know, 2020 is the year where the Lagrazos are, are finally getting their, their just due, and, and folks are starting to back off now because it's just ridiculous. The targeted harassment, it's just, it's horrendous. It, it makes no, no. sense. And it doesn't do it. You know what? It's disgraceful. And you know what? For this first person who did it, I had done uh, many, many articles for Sportskedia, right? And they, the guy presented this article, put all this false information I let them know about it. I retweeted. Duke helped retweet it. And, you know, Duke helped, you know, with the investigation of going after this person. And by God, it got done. When this second thing happened with this Chris Harrington from AEW, my wife put together a video. You know, Chris, um, Duke helped with this because it wasn't right. And it was something that he didn't even realize he didn't know about until we exposed him, you know. And then... You know what? It got to the right people at AEW. It got to the right people around the industry. But how is it? And I'm gonna and I'm gonna say this: How is it that a guy that fights for an industry and fights for people's rights and fights for the for the right to have to benefit from your hard work, not have a job, and be exiled and be shunned in wrestling? But a guy who will expose people's information and be an Internet war hero and cause chaos in people's families, how is that guy accepted in the world of wrestling and have a job as a VP for AEW? That's a, it's a good question, and I'll tell you, man, I, <laughs> if somebody could figure that out, please let us know because it, it, it's really fascinating when you think about it from those perspectives because again you, a person that has brought that kind of grief to the to the families and the, and the well-being of people in the industry to still be in the industry in that close proximity to everybody uh it truly is fascinating you know and but doxing doxing is illegal and this gentleman you know is a vp at AEW and Vito LaGrasso does not have a job in the wrestling industry because I stuck up for the rights of wrestlers and I stuck up for the rights of Vito LaGrasso. It's crazy. It's crazy. Listen, Vito, if, if fans want to reach out to you, if fans want to 
keep up with you and Noel are doing because you guys you, you put out some great content. Um, you know, whether you do your debates or whether you're talking about wrestling or you're talking about life, I mean, you, just really interesting stuff that you and Noel are always putting out. What's the best way that folks can reach you and check your stuff out online? Guys, if you want to get with us, get with the Big Vito brand. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We're on, uh, let's see, Facebook, um, the Big Beto brand at thebigbetobrand.com. You know, catch us on Twitch. Subscribe to the channel. You know, Duke's going to put in at the at the end of this all the plugs, you know, and, uh, you know, get with my wife, Noel Harlow LaGrasso, you know, and um, you get with her on Twitter. If you have some positive thoughts to say, guys, share them. If you have some points of view that you want questions to, hey, shoot them all away. You know, I'll always answer any questions. But, guys, you know, it should be a role reversal here for the guys who stand up for yourself. And I think everybody here has grown up. Stand up for yourself. Your mother and father always taught you, stand up for yourself. Don't take nobody's crap. I stood up for myself, and I'm not taking nobody's crap, but I'm out of the wrestling business, and I'm, I don't have a job. I don't have nothing to do with nothing. And you're talking about somebody who's got 30 years' experience and been everywhere and done everything. And you talk about somebody who plays on a computer and does Internet stuff and trolls people and gets information, and you're a VP in AEW. It's mind-boggling. It sure is. It sure is. And, and listen, Vito, you know we all appreciate you, man, and you and uh, Noel, so keep doing what you're doing. There's a reason why you, you both continue to be blessed despite all of this negativity that's happened through the years. And like I said, 2020, it, it just seems like a lot of things are being corrected, which is great to see. So, folks, let's keep that energy going. Uh, let's definitely continue to encourage Vito, Noel, and, and all of our favorites out there just – Nobody should have to go through what some of these folks have been going through for standing up for themselves. It just it's ridiculous. You know You know what my goal is, Duke? I wish you know what? I do very good in the, and I always brag I brag to Vince Russo, I brag to Duke about how good my life is, right? I'm in golfing, I'm playing softball, I live on a golf course, I have a beautiful home, I got a beautiful wife, and you know, life is good, you know, I enjoy everything. If I could have a job in wrestling in a positive influence and be a help, be an advocate, be somebody to do something good for the benefit of wrestling, benefit of the boys and work in one of the major companies, I'm all for it. A lot of the guys, I have silent respect because, hey, he went out and did it. They'll all shake my hand and they'll all shake my hand because I was a good competitor. I was very good at what I did and I have a lot of respect from the boys. And you know what, guys? I'm, I'm still the same Vito. I'm still, I'm not a bad guy. I just took a stand. But that doesn't mean I should, you know, stand alone while everybody reaps the benefits of my hard work. I mean, hey, listen, this lawsuit goes in a positive way. That's the betterment, that's for the betterment of wrestling. This stops all the nonsense and this helps everybody. Do you think that AEW came up with healthcare and a, a scale and all this all on its own? or did it have a little help, and I'm not taking credit for it, I'm just saying that did it have a little help from the concussion lawsuit where we have healthcare and wrestling, and we have a better, a better way of doing things, and AEW took the initiative? You know, thank you guys. That's that's what I want to see. Could I, would I love to be part of it? Absolutely. You know, but hey, there was a baseball guy 
who was uh, who wasn't the greatest baseball player. His name was Kurt Flood. Not many people know him, but he's the reason that Catfish Hunter made the first million dollars in free agency. Kurt Flood is the guy who was created for free agency. You never hear about Kurt Flood, but everybody knows who Catfish Hunter is. Well said. Well said. And, folks, that's it. That's it for this week. You know, I want to thank Vince Russo for joining us and, and definitely sharing some great insights on everything. You know, and obviously Big Vito LaGrazzo, close friend of the show here. Always we appreciate and respect you, continue to support you. Folks, I say it every week, and I can't stress this enough. Be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Right? Remember, what does that mean? What does that really mean? That means give yourself a break. Don't beat yourself up so much. And when you're able to do that, then you can extend that same grace to everybody else. Right? Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. This is the Duke signing off. We'll see you next week, everybody. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.